to take a minute, and I, I want us to, to think about how much Easter does represent a, a spiritually significant milestone in many people's lives, right? For some, it is the time that they decide to accept Jesus and follow him, because maybe they, that's the first time they've been in, in a year or years, right? We make that decision and follow him. Others, you know, maybe we're we're not as as committed as we need to, and we come to church on Easter, and we it really is a time where we think about the resurrection more than others. Even though we should think about it all the time, Easter does take that place in a lot of times. And we make a decision: I'm going to be more faithful. I'm going to be closer to God. I'm going to be who God wants me to be. We have a, a spiritual experience with Him. But a lot of times it can be very confusing and daunting. To make that decision, say, hey, I want to be a follower of Christ for somebody that I saved. Or somebody who maybe has been inconsistent or unfaithful or not been where they needed to be in their walk with God. And say, I'm going to do better. To then look and say, well, where do I start? Where do I go from here? What do I do next? So I want us to take today and, and, and to, to think about that idea for a moment. Think about that idea and discuss of what life after a spiritual experience should look like. How should things be different? What should it look like after we've had a spiritual experience with God? And I want to talk about how there is a time to grow. Amen? A time to grow. The scripture we're reading today is out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-5. through And we're welcome to follow along in, in your Bibles or up here on the, on the screen. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-5. through 5. We'll hit a couple of other scripture points um, throughout. We'll, we'll have most of them up here on the screen. Um, but... I want us to really think about that for a moment. From where you're at now in your walk with God, what do you do next? Maybe you, you know, just recently got saved. What do you do do next in your walk with God? Maybe you recently, you know, kind of just decided I'm going to, to double down, right? I'm going to re re invigorate myself. I've been kind of what wishy-washy. I've been inconsistent. I've been unfaithful. I've not been who I needed to be. If I'm honest, maybe, you know, we, we, we've lived in sin or allowed that to, to creep back into our lives and we've decided, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to double back down and I'm going to get back to where I need to be. What do we do, do next to, to grow into the people that God desires? For us to be. Amen. So so first Peter chapter two verses one through five. We'll have the scripture up here. And it reads like this. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-5. through 5. We're going to break this scripture up little, little into little chunks, three separate chunks, and we're going to really look at them and, and understand that. But I really want you to think, what, what steps do you take next to grow? What steps from where you're at do you take to grow. Okay? The first one that the scripture talks about is, is to lay aside, right? Here's what it says again. Here's the part we're going to focus on right here. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speakers, malice is anger, you know, mad, being mad at somebody, just, just frustration, um, just hate even coming kind of is, is kind of in that in that area of synonyms with that. So malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil. Speaking. To lay aside. Let's start with the therefore, though. Okay? It says, therefore.
before. We've talked about how therefore usually infers that something that came before leads up to this. Paul is talk, or Peter is talking to, to the church here, and he's, he, told, he tells them here in the last verses of chapter 1, he says, If you, you that have grown, you that have blossomed, you that through the seed of incorruptible, um, incorruptibility, which is basically salvation through Jesus Christ, have been born again. He says, the world, the grass, it comes, it withers and everything, but you've been born of this incorruptible seed, born into Christ, born into a relationship with Him. And then he ends the chapter 1 there and he starts here. He says, therefore. So what's he saying? He's saying, ye that are born again, ye that know Jesus, those that follow Him, here's instructions. Once you've come to that place, you've had that spiritual experience with Him, here's what you do next. Now, I say everybody here has seen an instruction manual. You might not have used it, but you I dare say you have seen one, right? And the wording sometimes is pretty crazy. I don't know who writes those things because the wording can be very convoluted sometimes. But the wording usually has says, do this, then this. Do this, then that. After placing this here, put bolt in hole A and joiner in you know hole C and then fashion down, something like that. It's a sequence of events. That if you try to do it out of order, you're swat. It's not going to happen. That's, Peter is basically laying that. He's saying, chapter 1, let's get saved. right? Let's have that spiritual experience with Jesus. You know, He doesn't say it there, but we can also talk about how you know you come to a place where you realize, I'm not where I need to be. I, I, I'm a Christian. I follow the Lord, but I, I've been wishy-washy. I've not been where I need to be. And you have that spiritual reawakening almost kind of thing. And he's saying, once you get to that point, therefore, then we do this. And he starts by saying, lay aside. To lay aside. We have many people, and we talked about it a little bit last week, that are trying to do other things in, in the wrong order sometimes. But we have to start with Jesus. You have to start with your salvation with the Lord. But once you get to that place, the first thing we need to do when we're talking about growing in the Lord is to lay aside. Many Christians are carrying around things they really shouldn't be carrying around. Right. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now I read that, and some of us Christians may look and be like, Man, that yoke doesn't feel too light sometimes. You ever been in that place? You feel like you're trying to follow the Lord, and you're trying to do what you're supposed to do, and you're trying, you know, you you think that you're, you know, in His footsteps, and you're like, man, this yoke isn't too heavy. Sometimes, um, Scripture in another place says it's not the way of the Christian that's hard; it's the way of the the transgressor's hard. I want to challenge you today that it's not the yoke of God that makes life difficult sometimes. It's the yokes that we put on ourselves that we should have laid off a long time ago, right? We, we as Christians, oftentimes we'll, say, we'll act like we're, we're martyrs in some sense. Well, nobody wants to listen to me talk about Jesus anymore. Well, maybe if we didn't live in hypocrisy sometimes and we laid that off, they would be more willing to listen to us talk about, about Jesus. Nobody wants to be around me, to be my friend, to be to, to have a relationship with me, to get to know me. Well, let's be honest, it talks about it, it talks about deceit, it talks about envy. Maybe we're carrying those things around, and if we would have laid those off, more people would be willing to come to us and talk about Jesus. But they don't want to be around that envy, they don't want to be around that deceit, so 
Why should they come around us if we're still carrying that? We're saying that the enemy is attacking my marriage. The enemy is attacking everything I do. Maybe it's stuff that you've not laid off that's attacking your marriage. And the enemy is just capitalizing on what you sort of laid off a, a long time ago. There's a lot of things that we as Christians would be like, Oh, woe is me. I'm a martyr to the, to the cause of Christ. When the actual truth is, we've just not laid off the yokes of the world that we should have cast off a long time ago. Peter starts here, he says, if you want to grow, the first thing you need to do is to lay off that stuff. Take God's yoke and God's yoke alone. All that other stuff, just lay it aside. Just put it off to the side. You don't need that anymore. That doesn't have any kind of benefit where you're going. It's not going to help you be a better person. It's not going to help you grow. It's not going to help your relationships. It's not going to help your ministry. Lay that stuff aside. We carrying around a lot of stuff we don't need. You ever seen somebody? Man, we did this when we first had Harper. We were new parents. Maybe somebody can relate with us. First night time we stayed the night with somebody back home with family and stuff. We didn't know what in the world to bring. Right? I don't know how Harper how old Harper was. She wasn't old at all. So we packed everything. I mean, we packed everything but the kitchen sink and the refrigerator. But we had a cooler, and we, 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 had, we had clothes that she could have went for three months and not had to wash a stitch of clothes. We had everything and more than what was ever in it. We started carrying stuff in. I took one load, and they said, you can just lay it down there and come and sit down. I said, no, I've got more. I was like, okay. And I went and got a second load. And they said, all right, you come sit down. And you want to drink? No, I've got another load. And three or four later, and they're just like, what in the world did you all bring? And I was carrying a lot of stuff I didn't need to be carrying. And guess what? It wasn't of benefit. It wasn't of use. There was stuff we just took on and put right back into the drawer. Put right back where it was supposed to go because we didn't need it. But we carried it anyway. Right. Stuff that we should have laid aside. Stuff that we shouldn't have been carrying around with us. Stuff that wasn't, wasn't beneficial in that moment or in that time. But we was like, I need this. And that's how we are a lot of times. We think we need parts of our old life, so we keep carrying it around. We keep on showing up at family reunions talking about the same old stuff because we're still carrying it around. We still go out and we still have people like, you can't trust that guy because we're still holding stuff that we keep carrying around. You don't need to go around that Christian. He's a hypocrite because why? We've got stuff we're still carrying around. Time to lay it off. Because you don't need that. You don't need that anymore. Take his yoke and his yoke alone. Don't burden yourself down with all the things of the world that, and the enemy will convince you that it's okay to have it, that you don't need to worry about it, that it's not a problem. You, you'll have all the issues in the world and it's obvious to everybody else. It's that sin in your life and you're like, no, I need that. No, I need that. I can't lay that off. I can't take that off. I can't sacrifice that. I can't put that aside. I can't leave that here. I have to have that. The enemy will have you convinced it's not the problem. But for a lot of us, it's not because of this and that and the other. It's not even the enemy attacking you. You just need to lay some things off. And lay them aside. And you're like, Lord, I've been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years. I don't feel like I've grown. Have you looked at what you're carrying? Have you looked at what you're carrying that just won't let you go 
any farther. Stuff that you need to lay aside and let go of. That's how Peter starts. He says, he says you're a Christian, born again. He says, this is great stuff. Awesome stuff. But now you got to grow. What do you got to do? you got to lay some things aside. you got to lay some things down. Some things might be obvious. Some things that might be through prayer and fasting that the Holy Spirit reveals to you that this is something I need to change about my life. This is something I need to lay aside. This is something I need to give up. Something I need to put aside and, and, and leave behind me. But there's things we're all carrying that we need to lay aside. He just names a few there, right? He says, malice. You got anger. You got bitterness. You got frustration. You got grievances against somebody. And you, you've got that on you. And you've got that yoke, and you try to have that yoke and the yoke of Jesus, but guess what? They both lead you different ways, and they both try to get you to lead different lives and do different things. You're trying to carry both of those things. You're deceitful. You, you, you have a hard time embracing the truth, right? You're in a place, and, and maybe you just don't want to accept the truth. You just don't want to live the truth. And here you've got this deceit in you, hypocrisy. You've got all kinds of sin in your life, and it's stuff that you enjoyed for a long time, for a, for a great big season of your life, and you're just not ready to, to let go of that yeah. You've got envy. You're jealous. You're greedy. You want everything else out there that everybody else has. And you've got that yoke on you too. And it's heavy and it's burdensome. You can't say a good word about nobody because you just got this yoke of evil speaking on you. And he might bring somebody up and you've got some bad story to tell about them because somebody somebody said something somewhere another time in another place and you always remember that story and that yoke is still there. Lay it off. Lay it off. We have altar call if you want to come right now. It don't matter. Lay it off. Don't leave here today carrying yokes and baggage and burdens that God never meant for you to carry. He says His yoke is easy and burden is light. And that is true. Who knows that if Jesus says something, it is true and there is no lie within it. So if He said it, it's true. So if we're burdened down and if we're heavy and we've got all this kind of stuff, it's not because of His yoke. It's because of stuff that I'm carrying around myself that I need to lay aside. And I need to lay aside. So if we want to grow, we we got to lay it aside. All this stuff that's not helping anyone, all it's doing is hurting you. Satan, you've got to desire it. You've got to want to grow. You've got to want to get past where you are. You've got to want to reach a different level. You've got to want to get closer to God. You want to, you've got to want to get deeper. You've got to desire it. That's what he says. He says, newborn babes, they desire that milk, right? Austin just feeding Cohen back there because he wanted it. He had a desire for it. He, he needed it. Why do we feed youngins? That you may grow thereby. He says you should desire that milk, the Word of God, the truth, the Spirit, the Gospel, that relationship with Him, so you can grow. He said, and this is what he said, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, am I saying, what does that mean? What he's saying is, if you've really been saved, if you really have truly had a spiritual experience with God, and He has changed your life, He lives within you, if you are one of the blood-bought child of God, then you will want to know it. You will want to taste of it. You will desire that and you will want to grow. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord has graced us. What what do you desire from your relationship 
with God. What do you desire from him? You ever thought about that? Some of us think of what we have in our relationship with God. We have salvation, right? And sadly, to many Christians, our relationship with God is nothing but a, a bus ticket to heaven. Saved us to the day of redemption so that we can escape the torment of hell and the lake of fire and spend eternity with Him in heaven. And that's, that's, that is awesome. I am not saying anything ill about that. But what do you desire from your relationship with God in the meantime? God might come back tomorrow. None one of us might see Him step out on the clouds. We don't know. So in the meantime, what is your desire for your relationship with God? What do you desire from it? Let's be honest. We get in a relationship with somebody, we have some desire from it. Either to, to build a relationship, to not be alone, to have closeness with somebody, maybe to start a family with them. And maybe sometimes we have nefarious desires for relationships because we want to get something of value for ourselves. But we all have a desire whenever we enter into a relationship with somebody. Of some, some sense, we have some desire from it. So what is the desire that you have today to be in a relationship with God? We should desire to grow. We should desire to grow. The sad reality is is that the church world and church society and us as individuals, and this is me as well, have become satisfied with that which is unacceptable. If you go talk to Peter and James and John, those that are the, the, the foundations uh, of the faith, those that really started it and got it going and rolling and were obedient to God and helped see this thing spread from a small community to, to almost a global thing and ultimately it did become global, and you would have said, what do you desire from them? And they would evaluate our lives and you're like, you're satisfied. We are satisfied with stuff that God doesn't even want us partaking in. We are satisfied with levels of relationship with Him and He's like, this isn't even where the least of mine should be. We're satisfied with that. And we, know we have no desire to grow or to better ourselves and to go deeper with God. That's a sad reality, right? That's a sad reality. I don't know that's a sad reality. Well, guess what? Bible tells us and gives us these indications of what it, of what we are to do if we are to grow, if we are to, to be the men and women of God that He desires to be, if we are to get to the place that He wants us to be, to be, go deeper with Him. And guess what? I don't do all those. I don't see us doing all those as a church. I don't see us individually doing all those. So why are we satisfied with what should be unacceptable to us? Right? Let's be honest. I don't know very many rich people. You might. If you do, awesome. That's cool, right? Um, I don't. Um, but, you know, we know celebrities and things like that. And guess what? Most celebrities don't go down and are satisfied with a fast food burger or are satisfied with going to your <coughs> local country store because for them that's unacceptable because they have a higher evaluation. They have greater desires. Right? Us as Christians, we are partaking of the crumbs of the table when God says, pull up a seat, really get the meal that you that I have set out for you, and then maybe you can can grow. I don't know if you've ever tried it. I've died it a lot of different times, man. And it's not worked usually, as you can tell. Right? That's no hidden secret. But there have been times that you died, or I would die, 
And then you just eat crumbs. And it's like, I'm like, how do you live on crumbs? And God in heaven sits on his throne and is looking down and saying, how in the world are you getting by with crumbs? Don't you want more? Don't you desire more? Don't you desire deeper? Don't you want to get closer? Don't you want to know me? Don't you have any other desire than besides crumbs? <coughs> I said, well, I'm not worthy of anything else. None of us are worthy to even be saved. Right. The crumbs from the master's table is really too much for us to ask for, but he gives it to us anyway. So if he's going to give us, we might as well desire all that he will give us. And not just the crumbs. Do you want to grow? I'm not talking about it as a church. I'm not talking about it as a family. I'm not talking about it as a community. I'm talking about you as a uniquely created, divinely crafted in the image of God individual. Do you desire to grow? To be closer to God? To know Him more? I, I love the song. And we sing it. But I wonder if we mean it. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about my Savior. But do we want to know more? Do we want to grow? Do we want to be closer to the presence of God? Do we desire it? And finally... If we want to grow, we've got to realize that we were made for more. Made for more. That's what it, that's what he says, right? Down here at the end of the, the scripture that we read, he says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In our walks with God, it is time that we go deeper. Right? I couldn't name a movie, but I know I've seen the, the funny thing of... of you know, somebody being in a fifth grade classroom, you've got somebody that's 23 there that's failed for 14 years straight. And it's funny and stuff like that. But how many of us are sitting in church and we've not grown in 14, 15, 20 years? And we think, well, this is just where we're at. This is as good as I get. This is the extent of my relationship with God of what it looks like. It is time... That we go deeper. It's time we stop playing with rocks and start building spiritual houses. It's time we stop just attending church and actually become engaged in the holy priesthood of the Lord. It's time that we stop offering these little sacrifices saying, this is all that I have to give. When the honest truth is, you've not tried to grow in years. So of course that's all you've got to give. And God says, if you'd grow, I'd give you more. I'd give you the greater ability to do more for me, to serve me better. I'd help you get to the place that I need you to be. But I need you to desire it, to want it, to push for it, to move for it. When you see the door open, walk through it. Don't just stand there waiting for somebody to invite you. It's time that we go deeper. We act like that it's impossible to obtain that. Guess what? 
Well, I said it before. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If Peter and James and John had a deep, inspired walk with God, we can too. If we look at people even like Billy Graham that had a deep, inspired walk with God, we can too. We were made for more. (coughs) This scripture in Genesis, I think so clearly illustrates how we view this idea. Okay, This is Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Story of Cain and Abel, right? We'll set the scene. Mama says, I'm an Eve. They cast out of the garden. And they had a child that had Cain. And they had another child that had Abel. Mama says, Abel was a shepherd. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. There came a point where they both offered up sacrifices to the Lord. And God was pleased with that sacrifice. If Abel rejected the sacrifice of Cain, and the Bible says that Cain was butthurt. That's what it was. He was aggravated. He was frustrated. He was angry. He was like, why? Why? And this is what God says. says, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance failed? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The Bible says that then Cain goes and talks to Abel and kills him. That's the sequence of that story. Cain goes to Abel, the field talks to him, and kills him. All right. I want to break down what God told, told Cain real quick. What, Cain, what, what God was saying to Cain is that I expect more from you. Because I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. Because I made you. I made you. And I made you for more than this. And he looked at the offering that Cain gave. And he looked at the offering that Abel gave. And he's like, I know that Abel gave his best because I made Abel. And I know what Abel's capable of. And I know how Abel spent his time. And I know Abel wanted to please me. And I know Abel did everything he could to grow and to become pleasing to me. To give an offering that was pleasing to me and acceptable to me. But I know Cain too. And I know Cain from the very time he was stitched in his mother's womb. As as David says in Psalms. He says, I know him. And I know what he's capable of. And I know what he can do. I know his skills. And I know his abilities. And I know his capabilities. I know how he spends his time. I know what he does. I know the desires of his heart. And Cain... You were made for more. You were made for more. I asked Mark to bring me something. I asked him for those big old large blueprints, the blue blueprints, right? And he said that I must have been stuck in 10, 15, 20 years ago because they just don't do that no more, right? He didn't say that, but, you know, I picked up on it. But he brought me some plans. Um, for house. And if you don't know, Mark is a contractor, right? Does good work, and he's got a, a good little crew. And um, as I was just preparing for this, this God just gave this, this clearly to me. And it's not a true story, so don't take it as a true story, okay? This is an illustration, all right? Um, but let's say one day Mark tells his fellows, he says, we got to build this house or build this extension or, you know, whatever it is. And then he goes off to another job site or whatever it may be. He comes back a couple of days. Or they call him and say, we're, we're done, boss. We're done. Um, uh, why don't you come check it out? And then let them know that they can get it. And he goes. And uh, he sees this thing. And let's say it was just a full house, right? And uh, he sees that, man, they made a good living room. And the flooring's done well. And the sheetrock's done right. 
And the kitchen looks just fabulous. They put down good countertops and every, the electrical's lined up, the plumbing's lined up right. They got the hot connected to the hot and the cold connected to the cold. That might seem insignificant to you, but I've had it opposite sometimes and didn't find out till later, right? Um, and, and those two rooms look great. Then he goes, and there's no bedrooms. And there's no bathrooms. And they say, did we do a good job, boss? We, we finished everything up. I don't think Mark would just pass on that. I, I feel like Mark probably would say, boys, this was meant for more. And I know that because I've got the blueprints. I've got the plans. And I've looked over them and I've read over them. We've talked about this and in the living room and the kitchen looks good and that's a good start, but, but there's more to do. There's more steps to take. And we live our lives, and sometimes we pat ourselves on the back so good, don't we? And we think we are flying high, and we have one good service, or we just have one good come-to-Jesus moment in our quiet time, and, and we just feel the heavenly Spirit of God fall upon us one day when we're worshiping one song, where we're like, I have arrived. And God comes by and He says, I know the plans that I have for you. You ain't there yet. You've got more growing to do. You were made for more. You were made for more. Stop playing church and playing with rocks and doing all these things. He says build that spiritual house. Be part of that holy priesthood of the Lord. Prepare a sacrifice. Our life. The Bible says that my life should be the sacrifice that I give. Right? Not in the physical sense, but in my, my day-to-day walk with Him. Right? To prepare a sacrifice that is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We were made for more. We were made for more. And I pray that each and every one of us wants to grow. Right? Because the more you grow, the bigger impact you have on those around you. The closer you get to God, the harder it is for other people to ignore God working in your life. The harder it is for other people to deny that there is a God. The harder it is for other people to, to tell you to be quiet. You don't want to hear the gospel. When they see how close that you've got, how far you've gone, how much you've grown. And I pray that we desire to grow. But that means we can't stay where we're at. You can't do both. You can't stay where you're at, do what you're doing, live the life you're living, partake in the things that you're partaking in, and then expect to grow. You have to lay aside some things. You have to lay aside some things. And it talked about envy, and it talked about deceit and malice, and it talked about evil speaking and, and hypocrisy. And you know, I probably broke those down a little bit, but but for each and every one of us, there's things that we need to lay aside. There's things that we carried in here that we don't need to carry out. We lay aside things, but then we also have to desire to grow. There's a lot of people who just expect to come to church and have no desire to see God move, have no desire to get closer to Him, have no desire to see God do awesome things, and then are like, what's going on? You've got to have a desire. You've got to desire it. You've got to desire to see God grow, to see God change you, make you, mold you into His image. We talk about it in spiritual theological terms of sanctification, right? Becoming more like God every step of the way. You've got a desire to grow. And you've got to embrace and understand that you were made for more. You've not arrived. You are not there yet. 
If you are a teenager and you're just starting on this way, you're not there. If you are, are even the deacons, you know, in in ministry and serving the Lord and being saved for years and years and years, and you've earned every one of those white hairs, you're not there yet. You're still made for more. We've not arrived until we enter in those gates, as the first song we say. So while we're here, let's grow. Continuing to push to become more like Jesus every step of the way. But do you want to grow? I'm not saying the church, right? It'd be great to see more come in, more be saved. But that'll happen if the individuals grow. I assure you, if the individuals lay aside some things, have a desire to grow, and understand that each and every individual was made for more than where we currently are at, then in time, souls will be saved, those will be added, and the church will grow as well. But let's focus on growing as individuals. There is a time to grow. And it is time to grow. If you've been on your walk with God for a day, for years, it's time for us to grow. And these are the steps, these are the ways... But we can do this, laying aside some things, desiring it, and understanding that we were made for more. We were made for more.